This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us this morning. It is June 17th. It is Father's Day today. Seeing a ton of people giving shout outs to their fathers on social media, thanking their fathers for being great dads. So let's take a little bit of time to talk about how masculinity has changed, how fatherhood has changed over the years. And Dr. John Olive joins us now. He's a professor and associate director of research at the School of Nursing at UBC. John Olive, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, uh, nice to talk with you. Uh, how have things changed or what do you see changing when it comes to masculinity, men and fatherhood? Yeah, I guess um, previous generations of it, you know, a, a lot of times we've seen the kind of the absent provider father. So maybe there was a, a bit of a different kind of pressure or expression of, um, uh, of how fathering was done back in the day. And, and I think now it's much more involvement with kids, direct involvement with with, uh, with kids and, and the kind of, um, it's shifted a little bit. I think there's still some of that breadwinner piece, but I, I think some of the masculinity piece is a bit more nurturing around uh, around being a parent. Uh, and what do you think caused the shift? Um, I think, gee, I, I guess a, a variety of things. I guess the world's changed a little bit. I mean, we've got more, more shared sort of uh, obligations for work, you know, and career has opened up a little bit, I think, for for a lot of women partners. So I guess that it's a bit more of a shared model of parenting than it used to be, um, you know, uh, probably 30, 40 years back. And does it change as well when we talk about uh, kind of, like you said, we've gone from the, the, the absent kind of provider uh, type of father. Does that change also in how men uh, deal with issues when it comes to family and children and child rearing? I guess that, you know, a lot of dads are, are more involved and, and certainly, you know, aware of being role models and helping, you know, their children work through different different parts of their lives and, and different problems that, are, that emerge over time and challenges. And so I think just by being there, you know, uh, a little bit more and being uh, a bit more accountable in the whole piece around parenting, I, I think it probably does, you know, spill over and it probably has shifted a little bit, yeah. And what about what fathers are comfortable with? So, and not just fathers, I suppose men in general, uh, comfortable with as far as feeling vulnerable or things, activities that in the past maybe they would have felt vulnerable, but that, has that changed as well? I'd like to think it has. I, um, I'd just share a, a brief story with you. We spoke to a, a dad of a, uh, of a son who, who actually suicided and, and he said, his main regret was not modelling vulnerability. And I think it's a really important point. I do think there's a shift. I think we're more and more willing to show vulnerability. It's very important that we do because I think it puts a lot of pressure on kids if they don't see their parents, you know, at least vulnerable to the things and able to open up about, you know, different challenges that happen. So I, I really hope that is shifting. Uh, because it, it is, it's to look at that too, and, and to think about. Uh, there's no point showing your child or trying to show your child that that you're, you know, indestructible because nobody is. Exactly, exactly, and just and just acknowledging, you know, those insecurities that we all go through and those challenges that we all go through. I think you know you, you model that challenge or, or those challenges for your children, so they can grow up understanding that those things emerge for them as well, and and. Sure, they watch how you deal with it. Um, and I think it's really important modelling in that way because it is, as you say, it's, uh, there's plenty of challenges to come.
And what about the the idea of uh, raising boys? Uh, there's been a lot of talk of that uh, in light of the Me Too movement and uh, and how that has changed things or shifted things. In that it's it really starts with raising boys and raising children uh, to know what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah, I, I think so too. That you know the generation shift. Um, we just did a little study of, of 600. Um, boys between 15 and 29 years of age and, and their three top values was selflessness, openness um, and well-being. Uh, and I think that there's shifts already and I think, you know, it's on us all to try and affirm those shifts because there's some there's some very good modelling around masculinity occurring now and I think boys are growing up a little bit differently so we just need to affirm that they can they can be vulnerable. They can they can articulate that uh, that things are going well or things aren't going well. They should be able to to talk and open up. And I just think we, uh, you know, it's on us all to to kind of affirm those efforts with uh, with with boys growing up for sure. And, and it, it's a it's an interesting thing only because also because it's it's so different than I mean we hear from uh, we hear about other studies too. As well, in that job interviews, that men who aren't as qualified will go in with much more confidence compared to women who maybe are more qualified and play it down. Do we see those kind of more typical gender lines shifting as well? Well, I guess you know employment's changed, and 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 you know sort of the career opportunities that that whole idea. Michael Kimmel does some great work, and often talks about you know boys expecting to be the career career trajectory of their dad and it's just not so i mean there's a lot more challenges for a lot of boys now so you know you might go in and and try to be confident or or you might be you might be up against a a variety of people who can do the job better than you and i think there are some real challenges a lot of the milestones are later for boys now you know a lot of people at university until they're you know late 20s 30 and and those milestones of Career, family are often often delayed in what we're seeing. Is that the world has just changed a little bit in that in that regard? And changed as well. Even if we look at things like paternity leave and uh, men taking time off from their careers, and it's not expected as much that that's something that women do instead of men, that but that both parents do. Yeah, it's an important shift. The men that we speak to who do take up that option, they they say it's some of the greatest. Um, time you know that they get to spend with their child when they're growing up and also a, a, a renewed sense of the challenges that go with full-time parenting so I think it's, I think it's really I think it's good I think a few guys probably waive the option I hope as time goes on it gets normed that they take the option up and healthcare is one that we often talk about and Maureen McGrath who hosts the health show here has talked about this on her program many times in that uh, there is still and she sees it in her practice this reluctance by men in particular uh, to seek medical help or or to admit that something is wrong and to get attention uh, until it's it becomes very advanced yeah I agree Um, you know there's still a a lot of literature that that points to this and and this is, I think it goes back to the vulnerabilities piece again. You know, for a lot of men, you know, to, to go into a clinic and articulate a problem that they're unable to solve themselves, I think can be quite, quite challenging. And so there's, there's that, but also the interface of healthcare. Um, you know, we do a lot of work in depression and, and, uh, we know that a lot of guys will arrive in clinical practice. They might be irritable, angry, alcohol overuse. And those aren't things that we're cued to as clinicians. 
around depressive symptoms. So those things can emerge as depressive symptoms in men early on, and, and we often miss those things. So there's a couple of things. One, the reluctance of guys, but two, perhaps our services need to be a little bit more cued towards how guys emerge or, or show up in clinical practice. Right, and not uh, have the the stigma attached to it uh, in in that asking for help is is perceived as as a weakness. Yeah, for sure. And I I hear a lot of guys talk about stress. They don't talk about depression. They talk about being stressed. And I think that's a good cue for all of us. You know, when we're around men, to sort of understand that that might be code for you know I am struggling, um, and then trying to open up a conversation with them. Yeah. Uh, any other studies uh, that you have on the go or that you're looking at uh, that, uh, that deal with this as well? Um, we've done some work in suicidality and, and men and, and some work in depression. And, and increasingly, I, I'm, we're, we're finding these, these, uh, these patterns prevail in this kind of there is a reluctance around help seeking and articulating. And as you say, stigma with depression is still a major issue. I do feel that we are starting to see a bit of a swing shift here and, and, and we have got an openness to getting a discussion at least about these issues. But men's suicide at four times the rate of women I think is in, important for us to keep in mind when we try to open up the conversation with men and, and we are seeing elements of that in some of the studies we're doing. Four, sorry, four times the rate of women. Are you talking about depression? No, suicide. Suicide. Yeah, yeah and I'm not suggesting you know depression is the only route to suicide. Um but at the same time, if we could get upstream and better identify depression, I think uh, we might have an impact on, on uh, that gender disparity around suicide. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.